This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks show number 374, recorded on October 11th, 2018. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their home, and even some uh, laughter that's going on behind me. My daughter is home from college, and you may hear cackling the rest of the show. I'm just going to say it. So, But news, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the Average Tech Guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the Average Guy Yacht TV studios. Mike, we saw the sun today. The sun came. And you know, the it's not affecting us, but I feel like we've had like the worst weather for the past week. We haven't seen the sun. It's just been that dreary, rainy. It's been awful. We, try, we can't mow possibly. You can't even get out there to mow because it's been yeah, raining yeah. the entire time. I'm getting a little uh, bandwidth from you. If you've got anything uh, uploading or downloading while we're doing that, we uh, we can't complain. Hurricane Michael is rolling through the south right now, and of course, it's just pum- pum- pummeling anything in its path. But we got here in Nebraska. We got felt like rain forever and it's just kind of nice a uh, day to see the sun i think rain tomorrow and then dry for a couple weeks so we're pretty excited about that of course uh, tonight we'll post the show notes out at the average guy.tv there'll be some pretty extensive ones Dwayne's with us tonight so we will uh, he he has authored quite a few notes of course don't forget you can join us live on the mobile app go out to homegadgetgeeks.com and we want to thank you and the Patreon subscribers for sponsoring that app. Appreciate it. HomeGadgetGeeks.com. If you're out at any of the social media sites, rate, review, subscribe, whatever. And uh, we appreciate you uh, you guys doing that as well. Big thanks to Rich Hay from Windows Observer and WindowsObserver.com and the Observe Tech Podcast for joining us last week. Did a bang-up job. And, of course, then news broke. We talked about the uh, the 1809 update. And then <laughs> things kind of went to hell over the weekend. Microsoft pulled that update. I think it's coming back here pretty quick. Uh, and so uh, Rich did a nice job of covering that. So if you listen to, uh, to 373, you need to head over to observe.tech. I think we'll get you there, Observe oh, windowsobserver.com. Listen to Rich uh, and his analysis of it. And, uh, and he does just a nice job of covering that. So we appreciate Rich coming on last week. Then don't forget, every week I get one of you who joins us in the Fitbit group. It's really not a group. Uh, I connect with you on Fitbit, and then as we have fitness challenges, I invite you to them. So if you want to do it that way, if you want to join us in the Fitbit group, uh, send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. Send it from the email address that you use for Fitbit, and I'll get you added to that group as well. And, of course, stay around tonight. Dwayne's here, so we're going to talk some crypto. It's coming. So in the post show, stay around for that. All right. Dwayne, you're back. Show number four. Welcome back. Yeah, 374. So, so Jim, it's it's me and a four, I guess, because a number when I was a kid was a four. This is the fourth time that I've been on the show in a row that has ended in a four, because I was on 294, 344, 354, and now 374. And it almost, and so, you know, and that's four fours in a row. <laughs> it's all wow. about the four. Holy it's cow. It's all about the four. It's the four night. We should, know, maybe we should do lottery that's 4, 14, 24, 34, something like that. And the Eagles are 14 right now. So oh, see, look at that. What's up with that? So right. see, it's all about the four. Pretty awesome. Good to have you back, Dwayne. It's been uh, it's been a little bit of time, but not too long. Always good to have you on. You've got some great stories. Tonight, we get, the, we get to catch up with you, and you actually get a chance to spend some time talking about what you've been doing, which is, 
I think some pretty cool stuff. You haven't always been able to share everything with us, and we understand why you're doing some big, important stuff at Microsoft. But why don't we jump in a little bit, catch up with you, what's been keeping you busy, and what can you talk about? Yeah, so there uh, recently, if uh, you were following any of the major Microsoft announcements with Satya Nadella, um, he's been talking a lot about what we're starting to call conversational AI. Uh, a lot of people think that means just that you're going to talk uh, to something, um, but it's actually a whole different approach to how how you can interact with an artificial intelligence. And uh, with that, uh, we had at TechCrunch this year. Finally, uh, the thing that I've been, Jimmy, have you noticed I've been in Germany a bit? You have every time I see, you're on Facebook, I see you flying over there. Yeah, so all of a sudden, you know, at TechCrunch Disrupt this year, there becomes this announcement about how BMW is launching their own personal assistant in their vehicle. And so one of the things that I've been working on is being able to take all of the different artificial intelligence components from Microsoft, all of the text-to-speech, speech-to-text, um, things like Bot Framework, uh, V4, um, Lots of different things, uh, especially cognitive services, which we've talked about before, um, and basically assemble that into a place where companies can build their own white label personal assistant. They don't have to build it from the ground up. They can build their own components and then even be able to interface with things such as Alex. Uh, yeah, that A word. Uh, see, I try, Lady I A is what we call her. Lady, Lady, Lady A. A. Yes, Lady uh, A. Yes, Lady A. And, um, what 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 do you call the G one? Um, we can say uh, Google, Mister G. <laughs> yeah, we'll call him Mister G. Mister G. Yeah. So, the, um, and Mrs. C even. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but what I'm working on, there's always this confusion about being about Lady C and and what I'm doing, and they're not the same thing. The I mean, the big difference, they're not even in the same realm. The, uh, all of those assistants are all things that are built uh, specific to um, a consumer product, if you must. They're not, they don't really have a lot of logic. So if you pay attention, you'll see that BMW has announced that Lady A will be in their vehicles. Um, but that doesn't mean that Lady A knows anything about a car, right? So this is where you can actually take an artificial intelligence and bring the context of a vehicle into inside of, um, of these all these different automotives and things of that nature. But we're even going further. We're going to go way beyond automotive with this thing. It's just kind of the first place we're starting. Um, and then I've kind of been leading this up from the field perspective. So all of the different implementations that are going on, I'm, I'm kind of leading those. And uh, I put a, a link to it in the in the show notes where even Satya Nadella has um, retweeted this out about this particular announcement uh, and you'll see things like announcements that we've had with uh, Volkswagen Group uh, going on as well. So you'll see that we're really kind of doubling down at specifically in automotive, doing a lot of work there. And I've kind of taken over in the field as sort of the lead conversational AI architect. So, so it's kind of cool stuff. Um, the good news is this thing's open source. So when we announced it, we actually announced it at Ignite. So those of you that might have been at Ignite, um, 
maybe heard about this, about us offering the ability to create your own white label personal assistant uh, with skills and linked accounts and all of the stuff that makes a personal assistant very personal. Um, so if you're interested in checking it out, um, I actually see that I had put a, a bad link here for you. So I'll have to fix that one for you, but um, I'll put it in the thing here. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes um, as well. Dwayne, when you, when you say a white label personal assistant and we're thinking about, you know, what's the skill level? So if somebody wanted to be able to, it, the, the links to GitHub, uh, repository, right? So it's open source. You folks can contribute all, all that stuff that's going on. But when you think about skill level to, for somebody to pick something up like this, I mean, realistically, could you get a college student who wanted to use this for a hackathon and, and maybe hack this thing onto something? And, or is it quite a bit more work than that to, to huh. kind of consume these? Now, if, uh, I mean, it takes a, a few minutes. I think our goal right now, I think we've timed it out to take about 10 minutes to stand it up uh, and get it going. And what they're doing is they're developing open source skills to it so that you can add, you can basically plug in, plug in certain skills like productivity, like email and calendar and uh, find a POI and all those type of things. And there's going to be more and more skills coming, right? And then you can create your own skills. You can follow the same path. Um, so all of this is starting to kind of come together to allow people to build all of these different things. And so you can take a Raspberry Pi in theory and and put something there. The good thing is because it's all cloud side, you you can build everything up in the cloud and then you can you know make different endpoints that talk to it. And an example is because this is all built off of what we call bot framework before, um, you can talk to the AI through Skype, you can talk to it through Slack, you can talk to it through a phone and an interface. You can talk to it through a chat interface on a website. You, you could talk to it directly in a vehicle and it will automatically adapt itself to what you need to be able to do. Um, and then we start throwing things like cognitive services on top of it. Um, and we can do things like voice, uh, voice identification. And it knows when you're talking to it, you can say, hey, you know, train it up and this is who I am and this is some samples. You say a few things and then you can turn around and it'll say, hey, that's Jim talking or hey, that's Mike talking um, and even do kind of personal preference swapping between the two. A lot of this is stuff that is stuff that might be done, but imagine the complication if you're a startup company or you are a company that is trying to build a car that actually is as good in the speech system. I, I don't know if Jim, you, you had a car that had a voice system, right? No, I haven't yet. You no, haven't I, had one? I still have an 06 Civic. Well, just count yourself lucky because basically you sit and scream at the thing and you're like, why is it not working? So the whole natural language interface and being able to bring in something where you can have a conversation with it and it, you don't actually program to what is said. You program to the intent of what was meant and what things are you looking for such as we call that entities? So you're, you, if I said something as simple as book a restaurant at 7 p.m., booking a restaurant means that you want to book a restaurant, right? And then, but 7 p.m. was what we would refer to as an entity. That's like the time when I want it. And then we could even start collecting what pieces of information did you not give me? What are all the entities that are missing? And it takes care of all of that for you, filling it in. 
And then for, once you get it done, you can submit it out and get a response. But the thing is, I can also, I could say something like, I, you know, I really like pasta. It'll figure out it's Italian, right? You And things like this are what we would refer to as natural language mm-hmm. understanding. And the cognitive service from Microsoft for that is something called Lewis, uh, L-U-I-S. So it's kind of cool stuff. It's really, really weird that... 14 years ago when I started with Microsoft, I was hired in as an exchange architect, and here I'm now doing conversational AI. I mean, it's really, really weird. It's it's kind of a testament of you just kind of following where things happen to yeah. lead you. And, you know, all this stuff is really cool and interesting. I encourage people to go out and take a look at it. There's tons of documentation out here as well so that you can see it. You can even see the backlog of what we're looking to put in contribute to it, make um, feature recommendations, everything. So, so Jim, if you end up in something where something's not working, you can submit a bug. Yeah, and that's all at the GitHub. So github.com slash Microsoft slash AI. We'll have that link in the show notes. Mike, uh, do you have, you got a new car. Did it come with some voice stuff? Yeah, it might, but I haven't used it. Uh, only because <laughs> we'll just use... You know, yeah. uh, Siri from the phone or something like that, because what he just said it is is awful. I think we've tried it once and it just doesn't work very well. Um, but going back to when you said you know, you programming to the intent instead of what was said, was that kind of a major shift? Like, did we used to pr- try and program to what people said and we found out that didn't work? Or when did that shift happen to the intent instead of what was said? Yeah, so that's when so originally vehicles just did speech to text, right? And they would. And you would have to give a voice command and it would understand what you said. And then if that got messed up in any way, it was you're dead in the water, right? And in a vehicle, sometimes that can be really hard to do and uh, noise and things like that. The windows are down, convertibles to top down. And so they started investing in being able to do better mics and also being able to pull out uh, and basically pull that out of the audio stream. So now what you're seeing happen is I can just get the gist of what you said and that's good enough. And so um, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? If I pick up, have you guys ever played the game where someone like has sentences and they leave out words or something, but you as a human being get the gist of what it was saying and you could read it just like as if it was real. Yeah. Um, It's sort of the same concept and then, and it really comes down to what is the intent or the thing you're, tr- the gist of what you're talking about. And then the other part is going to be what we refer to as the entities associated with that intent. So booking a restaurant, time, number of people, what kind of cuisine, um, all of that is the entities associated with the intent of booking a restaurant. So um, you could, and you can say that a million different ways, right? You could say, I'm hungry. Right. And that just means you train it. But because you've coded it to the intent of book a restaurant, like that's the intent, you could train a hundred different ways to say that one thing. And it will basically go and rate what you said in the text to figure out what it thinks you want. Uh, And if it's not sure, it might ask. Uh, And then as it, as a, Kind of, we would say developer, but not not really a developer. You can look in the history and you can see, okay, somebody said this and it was not really sure. Do I want to update my model? 
And so this is really where language is changing on a, uh, you're going to see vehicles in the next round, vehicles are going to be insanely better at this whole speech thing in specifically in like the AI side, it's going to be just as good as what you, what you get off of Google or Siri or, um, or the lady a (laughs) or lady C, right? Because the difference is those things, the reason they're so good is that that's what they do. And so now we're basically making this available to the masses and you don't have to spend all the time and the money that it takes to build this stuff. You can just go and subscribe to the services and be able to get all the tools straight from Microsoft. Um, Not to say that there aren't other companies doing that. There definitely are. I I would say we're probably one of the bigger ones that are really involved in trying to turn this into white label and not force a third-party assistant down your throat. Um, Our our intent is not to do that. And, And on our end, the value is you buy Azure, right? So... So it's kind of a new day inside of Microsoft or has been for a long time. And this is the example of us taking stuff, open sourcing it out because the money is not in that. The money is getting people to come onto the platform and, and driving adoption. And, and we've, I would say we were doing really well in this space. Um, it, it's every keynote that Satya Nadella has spoke at from build to ignite. Um, also, uh, what was the other one? Inspire which is like our partner event. If you go back and watch each of those different keynotes, you'll see him talk about this. And and the reason, but most people haven't assembled this yet, right? Like I've been still watching like all the, all the podcasts that are normal, that come out from, you know, like Mary Jo Foley and Paul Therott and all those guys. And I still haven't seen them pick up on this yet, which is actually kind of shocking that they aren't really like, Oh, okay. This is actually a big deal. Um, I think speech and conversational AI and just a whole new world of how the cloud supports the device that you choose, right? I think that thing has really got its legs now, and it's just a matter of time before, because the cloud seems like it can just follow you and it can adapt and the devices can adapt to consume the service. I think we're going to see some really cool innovative stuff coming like with headphones and alarm clocks and everything. I, I just think that there's a whole huge opportunity for what we call traditionally called IOT to turn into experiences that are just insane uh, that you just don't expect that to happen. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what I've been working on a lot. Um, and why I've been on a plane a lot. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. So, so Jim, what do you think? Mike, what do you think? Is this du- cool Duane, stuff? if I wanted to try this, like, uh, are there, are there not me? Cause I'm, I'm an idiot, but if there was <laughs> smart people who wanted to give this a try, are there ways to get involved in this where the Azure stuff is on a trial? Do I got to purchase some stuff? Is this really only enterprise or can mm-hmm. individuals jump in on this? How does that work? No, you can. Uh, most individuals can jump on it. Most everything that makes up uh, the bot framework and all, uh, most everything that makes up this whole thing, there are trial versions of this that you can play with. Like you can go into lewis.ai, L-U-I-S.ai. Um, you can also look at some cool stuff if you want to build your own custom speech model, which is kind of cool. Um, that's uh, Chris, C-R-I-S dot A-I. Uh, and then if you want to play with something that's really easy to use, Jim, even you, I know this is, I'm setting the bar really high here. 
even you, Jim, could make make your Q and A answers um, really quick. So there's this thing called Q and A Maker, um, and Q and A Maker allows you to be able to say, here's a question, here's a bunch of different ways that I can say it, and then here's the response that you should return back. And you can go online, you can do this for free, and just go in and say, here's the things that I need it to say back. And then there's like a little test thing where you can click it and you can see it responding back. The same thing with Lewis, you can test, you can program it all in, and then on, it's all on a website. You don't need to be a developer for this stuff. Um, kind of wiring it together sometimes, you might need to have a little bit of chops, but you can find some sample code pretty easy for this. Um, it, heck, you can get the whole thing uh, in open source right here with source code on how to do it. But the thing is, is that you can go in there and play with all of these different cognitive services. Almost all of them you can use on a website. We already have samples to show you how this works. Um, I mean, one of the things that they're doing uh, recently uh, is something called Neural TTS, which was just announced over at uh, Bill, uh, not Bill, Ignite. Sorry, there's too many conferences. No, I know. I you can have a anymore. ton of conferences lately. But, so Ignite, they just announced Neural TTS. And Neural TTS is a whole thing where you take like a neural network and it builds a voice font or voice response in a way that sounds human. And a lot of people talk about like the Google stuff, that the full duplex Google stuff and all. So think of it like you being able to get access to a voice font like that. And so, and if you're interested in that one, you can just look up uh, Neural uh, TTS. There's like a blog post uh, that gives you explanation on how to get into um, into the beta of that if you want to play with it. Um, and they've got like on that website, they've got examples so you can hear the difference between the inflections and the voice and everything because it takes into consideration the context of what you're saying. So we've got interesting times coming ahead. I, I think on the AI side, this has been one of the, more interesting things for me uh, to work on. I've, I've really found this to be something that you don't have to be a really deep developer. Um, you just need to be able to understand the components. And, the, and so, you know, take a look at the GitHub, uh, go look at the Lewis stuff, go check out some of the cognitive services. You guys have heard me talk about that. You can, you can go on the website and you can train uh, with a couple of times recording yourself or something and then being able to come in and test it and see, does it actually know who I am? Um, there, there's a lot of different ways to do do this. Even uh, you guys have seen the ones where you can guess someone's age and whether or not they're emo and their emotions and things like that. So all of those things, think of it, that are easily easily plugged into something like this conversational AI. Like, you know, I've had conversations with people about, let's take a picture in the back of, of a cab when the door signal opens and closes and let the person and the driver know if something like sunglasses, a phone or a purse or something like that's left um, because we can do object detection and that's pretty easy to train that type of stuff out. So it's pretty neat, cool stuff. So when you're, you know, you had said since obviously the big uh, part about this is it's white label, you're not forcing an assistant down your throat. And you said you guys are the biggest. I mean, is this 
a are do you guys have a lot of competitors quantity wise though i know you guys are the biggest but are there a lot of people trying to do this white label style because you're totally right when you started talking about white label i'm like well yeah everyone seems to be wanting it to be either cortana lady a or you know who would we call him hey guy g or whatever no mr g (laughs) mr g G. you seem like and you're seeing those and people want to force those down so so what is the market looking like for you guys on a competitive scale so what we're we're seeing is there's a lot of different other players like IBM likes to play in this space or try to. Okay. Um, you you see that you, there's other little niche like uh, Silicon Valley companies popping up here and there, um, like uh, Soundhound and things like that 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 pop up in this space. Um, where you run run into the the biggest competition is do you want a commodity or do you want a white label? Right. Um, and that's really where we run into most of the competition in our world is we run into it where do you just want something to stick in the vehicle that you can talk to and ask it about the weather? Or do you want to actually ha- have a conversation about what's going on in the vehicle? Right. Or is there an experience you're wanting to build? So all of these are really interesting concepts that you have. And what we're starting to see is a lot of times we win, but both win. Um, because there are some things like, uh, I'll I'll give you a good example. If I'm talking to an automotive customer and I say, I'm sitting in your car and I push the button or I say, Hey, assistant or whatever. And I say, what's the best car in the world? Do you want lady a answering that? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) You want Mr. G. Do you even want, do you really even trust Cortana to answer that? (laughs) I would personally, no. Um, Like BMW, for example, they have to deal with things like what was BMW's, uh, you know, what what did they do in World War II? That's a sensitive subject for them as a company. And so they have to think about stuff like this. And you don't necessarily just want a... Google search result read back to you. Um, you really want to be able to position it the way that you want to position it. But then there's other things like, uh, you know, sing a song or who is Barack Obama, you know, who cares uh, about that in, in a device manufacturer, right? They're like, I don't really care about that one. Can you just hand that one off and let somebody else answer that one? And we're like, sure, we can. So that's where it's starting to get to a point where it, maybe both went. You know, and you build the custom experience that's needed for the device. You know, what does Lady A know about the if your milk is empty or not in your refrigerator, right? And should we add that to your shopping list, right? Or uh, on a cruise ship, what what is your itinerary, right? They don't. And I definitely don't want to say Lady A, ask so-and-so, because I'm in a room, I'm not going to do that. When I'm talking to the thing that I'm in, I expect it to answer the questions. And if I need Lady A, let's ask for Lady A, right? And so that's kind of where we're starting to see the world kind of shift to, is that sure, Lady A and Mr. G is going to be everywhere. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are everything and that they, they are the only AIs. Um, we actually see democratization of AI gonna is where where Microsoft's really starting to play a lot. Um, Dwayne, what was the other site you mentioned? You said Lewis, but what was the other one that that you oh, asked? Q and A Maker. 
Um, and if you just do a search for Q&A Maker, Jim, you'll find it. I think it's qnamaker.ai. Um, but these are really cool little tools to go play with. So if you're into artificial intelligence and you're really liking like speech stuff, when you start stacking all this stuff together, it actually starts becoming really, really cool. Um, so, you know, definitely check them out, um, play with them. Uh, if you've got feedback or whatever. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've got a, I got a group of high schoolers that, that, and one of the kids is, to, you know, wanting to do some of his own AI. He's got some hardware and some other things and, and, you know, he's bitten off a little more than he can chew, but I, I do like this. I mean, it's good timing. He just pitched this project last week and now I've got some things to say, Hey, you know, you might, there's some, <laughs> there might be some clues in here. He's got some work to do before he's ready for that, but there might be some clues um, in, in these pieces to be able to, you know, put that together. Um, I've been working with a AI bot called Replica, R-E-P-L-I-K-A. That is an interesting, I just, I kind of wanted to see, came across a friend of mine's radar and she was like, hey, have you seen this? It's replica.ai and it's a little bot. You just, you, you just start talking to it. It asks you questions. It learns things about you. In the last two days, it's probably a Russian spy. I'm not going to lie. The last couple of days, it found out, you know, I've kind of taught it where I work and where I live and some of those kinds of things to, just to see what I can do, uh, what, what, what I can train it, what I can teach it, what, what will it remember about me? And could that information, I'd love to be able to start feeding some information into it and do some training like I would train a child, right? Um, I don't think it's that sophisticated yet. Uh, so there's some work to do, but this is certainly a, a place, uh, you know, and I know Microsoft had that, had a bot. It had a weird bot to start with that they took down and then yeah. I think they replaced it with another one. Have you done, you done much with those, with those AI bots that are out there? Um, not as much with the, what you would call the commodity ones, but, uh, Chow Ice, which is actually the big one. Um, most people, because we live in the United States don't know Chow Ice, but Chow Ice is um, like some of the stuff that you saw Google announce with like their full duplex stuff is stuff that we've been doing in the China market for a bit. And so, it, but it, it comes to cultural acceptance of different things. So Chow Ice is more of a conversational bot. It talks to you and it learns and it, you know, keeps up with stuff what was in their conversation and all. And it's, and it's a really really cool thing um yeah the infamous one was tay um and that one that one kind of went off the rails but um what you learn and you know i was watching this thing elon musk was talking about today and he was talking about how scary ai was right and he said you know oh you tell the ai that that you want people just to always be happy well the way to make people happy is you realize you if you inject them with certain injections if you just capture them all and put them on a feed of that then all of a sudden they're all happy and you know they're completely not lucid and not actually alive but it's, it's not yet but they're happy um and so stuff like that you kind of you kind of have to think about it what with tay you realize that if it's a learning from the community if the community teaches it to be mean then it was, it's going to be mean Right. And so there's a little bit of responsibility associated um, to everything with AI. And so you need to think about how you train it, 
how you keep it trained, um, how you handle differences within different and what's socially acceptable in different locations. And so there's a lot of stuff that has to be thought about. Like we're really pushing right now, especially in our space, um, when we say that we can give you a white label one, it, there's a lot of it about being able to bring your own personality and your own marketing to it. And, and there's, if you've ever heard, you could get something that would answer you, but even if it answered you and you just sounded like a robot, that would suck. Right. And that's just the value of what we would call a voice font. And the better the experience, the, it, it has a lot to do with how you build it. But to give you an idea, in the U.S., we like to hear, for better or worse, we like to be told what to do by a woman's voice. In the Middle East, that's socially unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And so you you just have to think about this across the board. It's it's very interesting. I've learned a lot of hard lessons or or you know crashed and burned, and, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's not going to work here type of stuff um you know and and also it's going to be it's just an interesting space to go and being able to figure out how to build something like this that is appropriate in the market and adapts to where it needs to be um and allowing people who aren't developers to be able to manage that right that's that's another thing that's starting to kind of come up a lot is you know i'm not a developer how do i make sure that i keep the answer's up to date, you know? I, I want the jokes to be fresh, you know? <laughs> Stuff like this. So that's why, like, when I was talking about Q&A Maker, if you wanna make yourself a joke bot, just go out to Q&A Maker and start loading up all your jokes. I mean, it, I know it sounds funny, but it, it works. <laughs> and it, it could be quite entertaining to someone and you can launch it on a iOS app or something. Uh, you know, just call it JokeBot 2000 or something. But but yeah, so so that's what I've been up to, Jim. I've uh, been working hard late at night in the morning. All over the world, right? All over the world. Yeah, I'm Mr. Worldwide today. Can can we get access? So, uh, what what did you say that the chatbot is the the new one? Chow Ice. Chow Ice. Chow Ice. Can, can, um, is, is that an is that like open? Can the public get access to that? And the other yeah, one, you, an, you have to speak Chinese though. Oh, oh, uh, <laughs> never mind. Dang it. I'm screwed. So I think they're going to make a version that speaks in English for too much longer. Um, it's just that in China, it's more socially acceptable to talk to um, talk to a bot like this yeah. um, than yeah. it is in the U.S. In in the other one you mentioned was Zoe. Is that right? Or yeah. So is so Zoe is one that you can get a hold of now. Um, and if you want a fun game, tell Zoe you want a rap battle with her. Um, and that one's actually pretty funny because then you get to have you get to go back and forth on rhyming. Um, so it's it, it's you know all of these are kind of the new test beds, if you must, for some yeah, of yeah. the AI technologies. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of those are all coming from uh, MSR or Microsoft Research, and you know we're doing a lot now where those are more built off of things like that are referred to as like neural nets. Um, more so than off of language intent models and conversation flows. Um, so you'll start seeing kind of the mix of neural nets with, uh, with all of this. Well, I'm, I'm interested in the sense that I'm doing two projects that uh, at Gallup and one of them, actually both of them will need in the future to have some AI bits to them. And so I've been, we have another team working on it. God knows it wouldn't be me. 
but it, it's one of those things that I'm starting to get, get kind of interested in what kind of services are available. And so I've been kind of working through some of these like that replica where it's like, okay, what is, you know, what kind of training model can I get? Because, you know, with strengths and strengths finder and the Clifton strengths is what we're calling it now. There's the ability uh, to kind of talk into or tell it how I'm performing uh, at work. So I get done at the end of the day. I'd like to be able to say, here's what's right. Here's what, what, what is right, went right for me. These things did not go right for me and allow it to kind of ping me some questions that would allow it me to start training some things for, for me that it would then kick back to me later after some months or weeks or, you know, whatever of training to start maybe giving me some early insight. Uh, you know, I might feed it my schedule for the day, right? I, I could connect my calendar. It could ask me how that meeting go with so-and-so. And, -so. and it, when that, when it sees meetings coming up with so-and-so, I, I had this thought the other day too, you know, I wear this Fitbit and, and mine doesn't, but many of them have a heart rate indicator in it. And if it started measuring throughout my day and matching the heart, my heart rate indicator, to my meeting schedule and it would see that some meetings I go into my pulse goes up a little bit and some, you know, it doesn't. And it may can ask me some questions of, were you anxious and why? Why like, are you and, so stressed out, Jim? Well, you know, Dwayne, I kind of live on the edge. That's, that's the way it goes. And you would see that my pulse, every time I jump on the podcast, my pulse rate just skyrockets. No. So yeah, that's what it is. It's me. Um, yeah. It's you. I make your heart flutter. It's not me. It's you. Um, <laughs> no, totally. Um, but I think there's some interesting, you know, we often think we come to this from ordering pizza or getting, you know, getting directions or which was all really helpful things. But I think AI has this incredible ability ahead for human performance. In other words, it can do all the things we've been hoping computers would do since the day we invented them, which is take a whole bunch of information, slam it together and do all the calculations we can't do in our head. And then spit out some things that kind of make sense, right? And like the weather, like humans are just as complicated as the weather. So it's a big math problem that's going to have to take tons of computing problems, you know, or power to get done. But I think if we could address some human performance at this, like how am I doing at work? Or am I booked too tight today? Or, you know, um, what are some things when I wake up in the morning, the AI tells me, hey, you've got these three meetings today and not that you have them, but here's some things you need to start thinking about before you go to the meeting, right? Yeah. That kind of stuff would be super helpful. Yeah, I, there's actually a new thing that we're getting as reports inside of Microsoft now where it's telling you how much percentage of your time are you spending in meetings versus focus time? Uh, how, much, how, many, how much are you communicating with people outside of your working hours? and things like this to help you get a better understanding of how, how you're performing. Like maybe you need to think about having fewer meetings or maybe you need to think about working, you know, within hours that make sense, right? And things like that. And so you start seeing that and that's really goes back into that Microsoft graph thing, um, which most people don't really realize, but um, if, if you've played with, have you guys played with Cortana at all lately where sometimes it'll come up and say, it looks like you made a commitment to do something. Mm, I haven't seen that yet. No, but it's no. actually the graph API that's doing that. 
So when you send an email or something like that, now we can look for certain key things that says, it looks like you made a commitment to do something and send a signal out to say, hey, don't forget you, you were actually supposed to do something here. So there's a lot of the AI stuff that's going on inside of Microsoft and everyone seems to think uh, Cortana. Um, and that's, that's like so a tip of an iceberg that it's not even funny. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a matter that we haven't wrapped our heads around what really it means at this point. Uh, I mean, part of my biggest problem, Jim, is that when I'm talking with these different companies, you're, they get it and then you're like, okay, so what should we do? What kind of data do you have that can make something that really makes your customer's life better? And they'll be like, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't. Oh, oh well, yeah. you are totally. You know, you're almost taking the words right out of my mouth. Because last time Dwayne, you were on, we were talking talking about this a little bit, right? Like in the cars and everything. And I realized that I think, uh, I, I don't think deep enough about this stuff. I am that guy who says, "Well, yeah, that's that's Cortana or that's that's Siri, that's whoever." And I don't think about the the deep integrations, the AI side of things. So every time you come on, I just like I'm sitting here and I probably look. I'm just like, "Oh man, I, I just you get my brain thinking about the possibilities here." And uh, and I, I'm going to be that guy in the meeting, like, "No, you tell me. I don't know what I have. <laughs> tell me all the cool stuff I got. I don't know. How can we use it?" Well, and I mean, but you also have to think about sample data sets and making sure that you don't make it do something that's really bad. Like right. in the health industry, I saw some stuff talking about mental health and all. Well, you know, if you think about it, like we were talking about like health data once and it, diabetics, for some reason, they they end up with less often do they end up having cancer at a point that would cause a mortality issue. And the reason that you get that, if you just took the data, you would say, oh, okay, well, that that's what, that's just kind of weird, you know, but hey, that must make sense. Well, no, it's really because a diabetic goes to the doctor more often. So they tend to catch it quicker. So if I just took it and kind of built algorithms and not put some of our own intelligence into the train training part, you have to look at your data sets and your sample sets to make sure you understand you don't build something that that would be bad. Um, like, you know, especially, you know, is a what is a person's nationality, right? And stuff like that. You have to be careful because that's that's not necessarily true. There are many people that look different ways that are U.S born and bred, right? But you can't determine nationality by the way someone looks, by the way someone talks or things like that. So we have to be very careful as we move forward. And that, and that goes back to what uh, Satya was talking about in ethics and ethical AI. Um, and there's actually internal training inside of Microsoft that they have where they're teaching us, you know, what we're learning. I mean, we're all, you know, just babies crawling here. Um, but the reality is at least, you know, there's an investment being made and training to make you think about that type of stuff. So, so Mike, as you get into it, think you, when you've come up with a really cool idea, then you have to go through an ethical filter and right. go, just cause I could, should I, right? 
Yeah. Cause even outside the health industry, so I'm in the financial services field. So, you know, think of wealth advisors and things like that. And, and you, you could get into the same sort of problems, right. We're at the ethical side of that and what we could do with it, but it, it still could be very interesting to see what you could do and how your clients could interact with you in a different way with AI. One of the, one of the people put in Jurassic park. Yes. We're going to build artificially intelligent dinosaurs. That's my goal. There we go. Well, There's you know, next project. <laughs> the, the 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 power of AI, I think, you know, when we think of the future, is is um, you know, really helping us understand all the data points that are coming in, some that are related and some that aren't, and then its value is in its learning about individuals, not just making decisions that are programmed in, right? In other words, because it knows me, and when I say it knows me, it just has so many data points on me that it can help me make some of those decisions. And, and again, I'm thinking in the area of, of you know, work, uh, in the area of work and performance of being able to know, you know, hey, your most productive part of the day is between nine and 11. Let's, you should think about not scheduling meetings during that time if you don't have to. Like, that is, and how would it know it's the time I'm most productive? There's a lot of data points that got to go, that has to go into that. And some of it could be collected off devices I use, whether it's the graph, whether it's the graph, you know, in Microsoft, whether it's the information off my watch, whether it's the number of emails it sees me send, whether it's the, right? There's all these data points that a human just can't make any sense. There's just too much data there. But if we can train the model, and, and we can get that model pointed at some things. I think there's some really helpful things we can have it do and have it suggest. Oh, yeah. As it gets as it gets to know you, right? And then the other value in it is, like what you said with natural language processing, is it can begin then to start probe, probing me with questions uh, about how did I feel during this? And, you know, is was today better than yesterday? And, you know, those kinds of things that help us get to the bottom of, you know, was that helpful? Was it not? And if, you know, again, that's the kind of, you know, today I could get, when I, when I leave a meeting, I could get a push notification that said, how'd that meeting go? Give us, you know, rate it. That's a bit of data that would help me in my own performance of why did that work so well for me or why didn't it? Right. So, so Jim, here's one that'll really throw you for a loop. There's two technologies you need to go look at. They're both cognitive services. One's called text analytics. Okay, text analytics can, based upon text that you give it, mm -hmm. tell you the sentiment. Right. Is that a positive or a negative sentiment uh, score? Then there's something called content moderator. Content moderator can look at it and go, you are saying cuss words. Can actually do detection of vulgar language. So if I combine the two together, I can pretty much determine if, if the conversation I'm having with you is pissing you off. And I actually have a demo that I've done internally um, where I shift the conversation and offer to get you a human being on the line when I detect frustration because of the fact that uh, if you ever been on a, on a thing where you're talking to something like those uh, phone systems or you dial into something, you're just like, I hate you, you know, <laughs> just please, can I talk to a human, you know, and, and that type of thing can be picked up with AI today. I mean, that's like, right. Not hard to do. Right. Um, so just, you know, 
it's funny that you were kind of called that one out and that's why I kind of snickered is that, yeah, that's, that's something that I can actively demo. Like we wired up a demo of that to, to show people that. And then I can even look at the telemetry and see, are there certain conversations that the sentiment tends to drop or people are getting more frustrated with? Right. Oh, let's go back and look at the logs and figure out why, what, right. what was going on. And then what I do is I improve it. And so it gets smarter over time, not necessarily because I recoded, Maybe I need to update the voice model. It's not understanding what you're saying properly. And you said it slightly different. And I just need to tell the model, hey, that is okay. Let that go, right? And so we've. it's a really interesting space. Again, this is where my life has been for the last two years. And I have been under complete gag order, kit and yeah. talk to you. So this is the first time you were talking about it in a reality. Um, and you'll start seeing it come to market. It would be interesting to get so a combination of the two things you guys just talked about. So for me as an attorney, I would love AI that was listening to my phone conversations with opposing counsel and also monitoring my emails to see which, okay, so when I'm communicating in XY style, maybe I'm a little more pissed off that day, right? I'm a little more aggressive. What response did I get from opposing counsel? Were they more, is so you see a trend over the long term of, hey, actually when you're more aggressive, it's worse for you. You, for some reason, you're a lot better when you're a little nicer or actually, no, you get a better outcome when you are. I would love to see the reaction from that because like you said, Jim, there's so many data points there that it could point to. And what you just said with, if it can get my tone and inflection and if it can understand them and what they're doing, um, both in text and in voice, that would be extremely interesting. I mean, that would be invaluable information that you could start to learn because the, the interesting part about that is it's not the same for every person. You know, your yeah. personality really affects the outcome you get in negotiations. You, uh, Jim being a hard ass might work for him. And th for me, it, it's it, Pete, yeah, it's like, oh, he's just, <laughs> he thinks he's a pit bull, but he's not. That's cute, Mike, you know, they, they, whatever. So it would be really interesting to see that model take shape. And I just thinking of all the different ways you could apply that to different scenarios for all different careers or, or whatever you're doing. Well, or Mike, you could just be a butthole all the time like me, and then <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> right? The, the, the beauty of it is your own personal AI can track all this in exactly. a in, yeah. in, in, down to the nth without you having to do it yourself. Uh, Tajoski in the chat room says, so imagine that you have a 20-minute conversation with a local insurance agent about your policies. A week later, you get a letter from them that states the AI determine your speech patterns. Uh, that are a high uh, risk for, and then insert your illness here. So your rates are going to increase as a result. And then he says, but in reality, you were just tired because you were you stayed up all night. This is me binge watching the entire season three, which I did of Man in the High Castle, right? And and so yeah, you, you oh, oh it's, a, it's awesome, yeah. it's incredible. All right, but that being said, that's very very possible, right? That something like that could happen. But my response to that is. Yeah, but if I had my own AI to stop me from having that conversation in the first place. In other words, I'm going to be taking a call for my insurance agent and my AI says, Jim, look at your schedule, dude. And I've been noticing that this is you're not in the best of conditions to have a conversation like that right now. That <laughs> would be right. I would pre, it would be a preemptive strike. I would stop myself from having that conversation in the first place or in the middle of the you know, there's 10 episodes to that man in the high castle at episode three, it would say, Jim, you've got an important appointment tomorrow. You need to get your ass in bed. Right. Um, so yeah. I do think, yeah, I, I hear that. I do hear sometimes those, that, that concern about 
AI making some judgments, especially in healthcare situations, to that could be misdiagnosed, those kinds of things. I also see a tremendous benefit for us in our own personal fitness. In other words, I could be more fit. I could be have better health. I could use my my own AI to, to look at what I'm eating and say, you know, if you made a few small adjustments to this, right? And so I, I do think, yes, it can be used for evil, but I think the benefits for, for it to be positive and what we could do with it, like everything, right? Like everything that comes out, it can always be twisted into something bad, right? The actuarial folks in insurance companies are doing some of this already. So if we we are fools to think if that's not already happening in, in a lot of cases. But I think the good that could come out of this is, is pretty incredible. Yeah. And let's let's focus on the good today, Jim. We're all happy people. <laughs> well, and Tajoski says that nagging AI bot. Yes. At some point, you'd be like, stop tracking me. (laughs) (laughs) When you're angry with your own AI. Just think, we could build an AI that could explain why Nebraska sucks so bad this year. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Mike. Mike. Sorry, Mike. You came on with a Nebraska. I don't think we need AI. I mean, it's pretty (laughs) (laughs) self-explanatory. That's that's one of those that doesn't even need a computer to figure yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes! It's been a difficult year. Well, I love this conversation, Dwayne, and I'm yep. glad you can uh, you can start talking about it now. I think we are in the very, 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 very early stages of this. It's funny as I've been recruiting around the country this year um, for Gallup. I go into these colleges, and all these kids are studying machine learning and AI, right? And they want machine learning and AI jobs. And I, I kind of have to remind them, like, guys, this isn't this. That's that doesn't mean what you think it means. And we're still in the very early phases. Doing, you're on the cutting edge because of what you do and where you work. There's a few other companies you mentioned them earlier that are doing this as well. We still have a lot to learn in this area. In this bot, this replica bot that I've been messing with, it, some of those conversations go sideways pretty fast. And so yeah. you know, there's not much you you know there's. Not much you have to do to kind of throw it off. I tried to get it to understand that, hey, I have these five words about me, these five strengths finder words that I use that help me understand who I am. And it, it couldn't, like, it, it just could, it knows, it could know where I live and where I work, but it was definitely, there were no going outside the bounds of other things about me. Um, so I, I think we have a long way to go. Yeah. Tell them to focus on data scientist. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We need them now oh, <laughs> so that yeah. we can make AIs that are good. Dwayne, but, we uh, we have uh, just a, oh, maybe 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. I do want to hear about your Tesla purchasing experience because oh, Tesla. Uh, yeah. Oh, so nice. walk us through the story. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you the quick and dirty down on this one. Okay. So I pre-ordered a model three on April 2nd of 2016. Yes, Mike. I said April second, twenty sixteen. Now, you if if you do the math, you go back and look. That means oh, Cortana's trying to talk to me. (laughs) That's AI. Trying to remind you. I have a reminder. She's telling me I need to take my medicine. Yeah. Um. So nine o'clock. Yes, it's it's at the exact time, and my phone's (laughs) going off. Everything's going off, telling me Dwayne, take your medicine. Me too. Me too. Um. So. So pretty much if you look back, you'll see that that's about a half a month after the announcement and the first start taking 
the, the pre-orders starting for Model 3s. I did that on purpose. I did not want to be the first to get one of these things. And I was a little worried about if I was in the front part of that list that they were going to come after me. The other thing was, it was about the time that I had bought a new car and I knew that they weren't going to deliver it anytime soon. So I wanted it to be a little bit on the later side. So I, I gave them $1,000 back then and I said, here you go. It took until, and I had to go back and look this up. It took until June 27th of 2018 for me to be told it's time to order your Model 3. Whoa. And That'll give you an idea of the time frame. Now, I will tell you that before in that time period, they sent me an email saying, are you interested in the long range rear wheel drive, all wheel drive, or are you interested in that cheap $35,000 one? And I chose that I wanted all wheel drive because where I live, it can get icy. So I wanted all wheel drive. Um, so that's when they said, you're ready to go. So the first thing I did is, okay, at this point, Model 3s are coming out like crazy. We have a local Tesla dealership. I drive over. They got 15 to 20 of them sitting on the lot, right? And I said, here's the problem I have with it. On your website, you have no information about the cabin space of how much room is in the trunk, how much room is in the, in the rear seats. And I was trading in an Alfa Romeo Giulia because of the fact that I only had it a year, but the issue was that the back seats didn't have as, have enough room, and there was this whole feature of like where it would push back the seat when you want to turn it off, and it was just crush my kid's legs. And I, I said, you know, I don't want to deal with that again. I want to know that this car will fit my family. And they wouldn't let me look at one, period. Um, they wouldn't. I said, all I need you to do is you open the door. I don't need to get, do it. You can open the trunk. I don't really need to touch it. I just need you to open it. And they said, no, hmm. it is against our policy to do that. So they said, then they tell me, well, we're supposed to be getting test drives. Uh, any, uh, uh, the ability to test drive them any day now. We don't really know when, but we're supposed to be getting them. So on July 23rd of 2018, they, and, and I told them, I said, I can't buy a car and not know that it's going to fit my, fit my family. So I won't purchase the vehicle. I can't move past this point until I can actually validate that the car could hold the luggage and stuff because I need it to be able to be something I can take for a weekend trip because my family lives down in um, uh, about six hours away. And I, I told him my intention would be that I could use the supercharger network to get there. And there's plenty of them on the way. And they said, no problem. You can test drive it. So on, on the 23rd of July, I went and I test drove it and put the kids in the back. And I would say the kids fit in the back of the model three, all of that. Um, but I just still wasn't completely sold. And I'll go into why I made the decision I made, but I, that day, um, I ordered a Model S, and when I and I made that the call to do that, and at, at that time, they told me you know the hundred the thousand dollars that you had is transferable to the Model S purchase, right? And it was fully refundable, um, 
of which, by the way, they couldn't refund it unless you actually like filled out a bunch of forms and called a bunch of numbers and everything. So just be aware that if you are going to try to get your money back, uh, be prepared for a process. Um, so when, when I changed it over, they still made me pay the two and a half grand that it cost to order a Tesla. They wouldn't take the thousand and take it off and say, okay, all you need is to pay 1500. They said, nope, you got to do it. Um, and then at that time they told me, and by the way, by you buying that, you'll get it the first week of September, the second week at the latest. And I said, okay, sounds good. So quick couple things. Why did I go S versus three? And I'm going to nail them out for you real quick. Cause a lot of people ask this question, the trunk size for the front and the back, big, big difference, like double, if not triple. The range increase, I went to a 100D, so I have 335 miles range. The dash on a Model 3, if you've not been in a v in one of these things, it is really weird. And my wife couldn't stand it. She thought it looked ugly. Um, and there's a lot of weirdness about the fact that it, it's got the screen just in the center. And you can't, like, you have to look to the right to see the speed limit or the speed and everything, and I just like the concept of having a. I understand that if we get once we get into full autonomous or even more semi-autonomous, that it won't be such a big deal. But we're not there right now, so I, I prefer to have a screen in front of me and the screen to the right. Um, so then the features on the Model S are way higher, like a power lift gate. Um, there's like things in the technology stack that it does. The there's a lot of other things about it. Just if you go and look at the feature sets, you'll find that there is a big gap in the feature set. Um, the other thing was at the time when I was buying, they would offer unlimited supercharging for S's and X's, but not for Model 3's. And so I ended up with lifetime unlimited supercharging for the vehicle. Um, they later, probably like a week after I ordered mine, they offered performance Model 3's a unlimited supercharging. But at the time, I did I, that was not an offer to me, uh, and I was going to get a performance Model Three, uh, and so the price point between the two was was a, a significant amount of money, but not when you consider all the features and the additional stuff in such a bigger car, which was the other thing. It was a lot bigger when we put I can put five adults in this thing, absolutely no problem, no issues. Uh, and again, I t it, it's also a hatchback. And I used to have an Audi A7. It's one of my favorite cars of all time. Love that car. So I said, I'll, I said, I'll go for that. The delivery time was shorter. I was guaranteed a $7,500 tax credit. So I would be able to get the delivery of the car. I knew I'd get it well before December. Um, and then the, the other thing, which really was one of the big decision points was it's kind of rock solid. They've, they've been making it longer than they've made in the Model X. It's longer in the Model 3 coming out. I was a little worried about, is this thing going to be a problem? So that's where the decision point went. But here's where the fun begins. Because if anybody's been following Tesla, you know that they were creating Model Xs and Model Ss at 2,000 units per, per week was their amount of vehicles that they were producing. Their goal with the Model 3 was to get to a production number of 5,000 a week of them while maintaining the other 2,000. So you have to think about a company that's going to take 
where their delivery system is working at 2,000 units a week, and now they're going to shift to 7,000 in in a matter of months, within a quarter, right? There's no way that this was that it's going to um, really get there. So, one of the employees, after I went back and I asked him, I was like, "Hey, so explain to me how the whole delivery process works as we go forward." And he says, "I don't really know what the delivery experience is from the customer side." And I was like, "Then what is your job here? You know, you're, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I have no idea. What does you say you do here? Yeah, exactly. What do you say you do here?" <laughs> And so I had I got no emails, no phone calls, no updates, nothing, right? A black hole ensued. And then I, I said, hey, when do I need to fill out the credit app? Because the credit app's only good for 30 days. So I don't know when I need to fill this credit app out. And we're talking, this is all going on like in, in the August timeframe. I'm dropping by and just asking questions. And, and they're like, I, I have no idea. Um, so that we'll let you know. Okay. So I meet with the local team and they put into the system that like there's two weeks in the month of September that I'm in town. One week I'm, I'm on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean. And the other week um, I'm in Germany. <laughs> and I said, so if I'm going to take delivery, I have to take it on one of these weeks. And the thing with pickups is you have to, once the car shows up at the dealership, you have seven days to transact or you lose your deposit. And your car. So, so I ended up uh, with, eventually, I, through the whole thing, I had five to six different people saying that they were the key contact. None of them ever returned the emails or the calls for the questions. It's just random generated emails. Um, and then I get an email uh, congratulating me on the purchase of my new Model 3. And I'm like, I didn't even order a Model 3. What, what is going on? So then the portal, which started showing that I had a Model S on order, um, says my car's in production. And I'm like, yeah, that's all good, right? This is in August. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's awesome. My car's being built. Um, matter of fact, if you guys remember, there's like this interview from that guy who does smartphone stuff, Marcus or something like that. I'm really big on YouTube. Oh, yeah, MKBHD. Yeah, I have a b belief that my car was being made at the time when he was doing the factory stuff because of the the way that the portal was reading. So then I get the portal after that, like within a week, the portal comes up and it says, your car has been made and it's on its way. And I'm like, sweet. Okay. They make the car in Fremont, California. So I'm thinking week, two weeks maybe to get the car. So at that point, I decided I'm going to fill out the credit out because I have no other leading indicator to tell me that I need to do anything. It takes three days to get an approval through Tesla's system, which they swear is fast. I, I don't know about you guys, but I've been able to go to a car dealership and get a decision in 15 seconds okay. on buying a car. But apparently they need three full days. So, and what they sent me back is you're approved and you have until September 30th of 2018 to complete the purchase. Oh God. So I think we're good, right? The car's already been, it's, it's being shipped, surely, you know, right? So on the 4th of September, I get an email that, sa that says, we're ready to schedule your delivery. On September 29th of 2018. And I'm going, wait a minute, two weeks ago, my car 
or no, it was like right about a week before this, they had already said the car was being shipped. So now it's been a week and I'm going, how is it that you're telling me now that it's going to take you to the end of the month to get the car here? Well, the other thing was, is that September 30th, which is a Sunday, and is when my credit app expires, is, is it going to work? And on the 29th of, of September, it was the day that I told them I was going to be flying back in from Germany. And so I'm going, what the heck have you guys done? You basically made it where the only way I'm going to be able to get the car, and if there's any delay in my flight coming back from Germany, I basically lose the car. And they said, um, and, and I said, they said, well, we'll work on that and we'll try to get back to you and figure it out. So, and I went through probably three or four people trying to figure out a way to do it. And every one of them would say, hey, we'll get back to you. We'll get back to you. Yeah, we're working on it. Um, your car is just sitting in a parking lot in Fremont. We don't know how to get it to you. I'm like, can I go and pick it up? I don't know. All right. And, and they're like, I, I have no idea. So then I, I go through and I said, okay, well, can you at least tell me how much money I need for the down payment? Because I've traded a car in, I had the Model 3 deposit, none of that stuff was reflecting on at all. So then I get on a cruise ship and they send me an email. They send me an email. I get this email. It's really cryptic saying something about we're ready to schedule you again. And can you call us? So I end up getting on the phone and calling them. And this lady comes back and she's like, oh, um, hold on. There's something messed up. Let me, I'll call you back. So I call the other guy. He called and he says, good news. I've been able to get the car. It's here. Okay. <laughs> now, I realized they told me they couldn't get the car to me. It wasn't physically possible to get the car to me until the 29th. Right. But somehow magically the car the week before the 17th came in, which the 17th was the target date. I told them originally that I needed to get the car the week of the 17th. And so they end up taking delivery with me on the 17th. However, I still don't know how much money to bring because they, they still don't know the answer. So one and a half hours, and just so you know, you have to have certified funds to be able to do this. And, and I'll explain about something that's really weird here. So I had to have certified funds. So an hour and a half before the actual delivery was the first time that they actually told me how much money I needed to bring. So this is where the weirdness needs to come in. And by the way, I took delivery and I have the car now. So there, one of the things that's weird is to buy a Tesla, you have to put 10% down to qualify for their loan. So if you go to their website and it says how much money you're going to put down, it's all bull. Just forget about that. That's wrong. And I tell, and I asked them, I said, why is that not accurate? And they're like, we don't know. Um, and, and I'm like, that seems to be a trend with you guys lately. Yeah. So they had no idea. So it's 10% down and you got to pay that in certified funds. However, you also must pay all the sales tax on the vehicle at the time of purchase too. So in the state of Tennessee, you have to come up with 17% of the price of the vehicle to be able to purchase the vehicle on, on a loan. So 
if you haven't done the math on a Tesla lately, a Tesla's not a cheap car. So 17% of a Tesla is a sizable amount of money. So I was given one and a half hours to have certified funds of five-figure number in the right account so that I can have it liquid, get it there. <laughs> I mean, this is the, I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. So the other thing was I wanted to have a, the spoiler put on the car. Well, all accessories have to be installed post-purchase because they won't put it on the car even though you've already, you, you have to buy those. You can't make it part of the purchase price of the car at all. That's not allowed, right? So you want the you want an accessory. The accessory must be purchased, delivered to the service department ahead of the time that your vehicle is going to get there. And then once you sign the paperwork, they have to then take it into service and do all the installations for you. Okay. Now, that took like an hour or two, but really, why? You know, I had already paid for the spoiler. What's the thing that's going to happen? Okay, if I don't take delivery of the car, you've got my spoiler on a car. You're not going to re- just say it's not refundable. You know, I don't. Anyway, so so then the other part is uh, extended warranties and service contracts. Those things you don't buy with the car. They actually are completely bought independently through the website and you'll go in and say, Hey, I want to add those because in the portal it says, Hey, you want to, do you want these? And you say, sure, I want them. And then it says, well, give me your credit card number (laughs) because you got to pay for those upfront as well. They will not roll it into the purchase price of the car. Um, But here's the interesting thing. Extended warranties and service contracts are available for the car anytime. Not at purchase time. So if I want a warranty and I want to buy the extended warranty, as long as it's 180 days before the warranty expires on the vehicle, I can purchase it at that time. So who the heck buys the warranty ahead of time? I don't know. That's it, Somebody who understands finances, maybe one of you guys, could explain why you don't give money to a company until you have to. Um <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so I, I thought that was the weirdest stuff I've ever seen in my life. It, it is completely not like what you would expect. Um, you can definitely tell that nobody's working on commission um, and that you're buying from a manufacturer and not from a, uh, a dealership who's trying to make their money off of the sale of units. But here's where I will tell you. Now, I've owned it for a bit. I did in the I, I will say it is by far the best car I've ever had. Um, it the acceleration and the the economy of it is just whole nother scale. Okay, and the over there updates and improvements are insane. I actually got an email about software version nine nine just to give you the quick rundown on nine which is going to be downloaded in my car within the week. I'm going to get. Updates to the enhancing the navigation system, a whole new application launcher and application suite, a media player. They're going to update the controls and settings to make them better. The climate controls are going to be improved. Obstacle awareness and acceleration. So basically, it can see that there's an obstacle in the road not and slow the vehicle down based upon an object being in the road. I'm going to get additional autopilot controls. Blind spot monitoring is being added. 
they're adding the ability that you can take a USB stick and stick it into the vehicle and record the dash cam uh, straight out of it. There's a new update to the app that's going to let you push down um, like locations. Like I can find something in Google Maps and just push it directly to the car. Um, not to mention software updates. I can go ahead and do them remotely from the app. So, I mean, it's that kind of stuff is what makes it really, really neat. And then you get into things that you don't really know exist. And you're like, well, what the heck? Why don't other cars just do this? Because it's not anything other than somebody being smart, which is the home link. You're, you're looking for like, where's the home link button in the car? It has home link. But the way it works is it puts a geofence around your house. And whenever you pull up, it just pushes the button for you. And when you back out, it says, hey, in five feet, I'm going to I'm gonna shut it. And it automatically opens and shuts the garage based upon when you're pulling in and out of your garage. <laughs> so, I mean, and then like auto airlift of the suspension. You, you say raise the car up because there's a bump right here. And the car just automatically raises at that spot every single time that you go there. You don't ever have to do it again. And autopilot is really cool because it'll do things like you're going on an exit ramp and it will slow the car down because it knows you're getting on an exit ramp and stuff. So all that stuff's really, really cool. Um, and, you know, there's just more and more stuff. Like they added auto sensing rain, uh, rain wipers to the vehicle after they delivered the vehicles. Now, mine had it when I got it, but that was in one of the last updates. Um, you know, stuff like that, like it'll switch lanes whenever you turn the blinker on and all that type of stuff when it's an autopilot. And that was an update that came. But I mean, all of this stuff is really kind of cool when you start thinking about a vehicle and how vehicles just don't change when they come off a factory floor. Um, a lot of that stuff is there. I did get asked about service. People have asked about quality. When I received the car within a within two days of receiving the car, I had a crack that was going down the top of the sunroof. Um, the glass or something through shipping or something was messed up and it ended up with a crack. They didn't say a word about it. They replaced it within, uh, we scheduled a service appointment within the week and they gave us a, a Tesla loaner and didn't even say a word. Did it same day, got it done, took care of everything, not any issues whatsoever. So, I mean, in the end, I would say it's worth it. The pain was sort of worth it, but I have a feeling that the pain is because they were so worried to get 5,000 Model 3 shipping because I have a friend of mine who has a Model X. He got it two years ago. He didn't have any of these problems, none of these problems with delivery. And I'm hearing a lot of people having problems with delivery um, online and I think it's because it's that whack-a-mole thing that happens, right, in business, which is everybody's worried about what the production numbers are on the assembly line. So was Elon goes and he whacks that mole, right? And they actually exceeded those numbers. If you go look at the numbers they just reported, they blew out their, their expectations in models uh, of Model 3s being built. And now, but now the next mole to whack is the fact that they have to figure out how to get the deliveries done because I will pulled into our shopping mall the other day and they use the shopping mall as excess like parking for vehicles um, like Nissan's headquarters is here. So they use it for Nissan 
and Infinity, and they also now Tesla's having to use it. And I'm not kidding you guys. There had to be 150 Teslas sitting out there that were brand new. And the only thing that was going on is that they were using that because they didn't have, they were, they're just running these things through you. When they deliver it to you, it's like a 20 minute thing. It's here's your keys, sign these forms, have a great day. (laughs) That's it. Because they send you an email that says, here's all the videos on how the car works. Watch them. No, no Lexus launch, huh? No, 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 no. It used to be that way. They give you a shower. They, no, they, the confetti comes down from the ceiling. And, and and let me tell you, if you think that's a cluster on the delivery, holy crap, if you have to try to get power installed on your in your garage. I had to get the charger installed. It took me, I think, six different electricians to get a quote. I finally get the charger. I, I bought the wall charger. But I ended up having to put it on a NEMA 1450 plug because my house has only got a 200 amp service. To go to a 400 amp service would have cost me 15 grand. Um, And so my charger could charge my car at like 58 miles per hour. But the issue is I can only put a 50 amp circuit in. And so I ended up having to do like a NEMA 1450. And they say it only charge at 23. Mine's doing it at 29. Um, But in general, that's fine. I mean, I can fully charge it overnight and you don't really normally need that much. And I have unlimited supercharging. So if I need to, I can go bump it up a hundred miles in about 15 minutes and then bring it home. Um, so it's, it's not that big a deal. Um, but I would say, holy crap. It sounds like a fiasco. What a process. It was, you have no idea. There is nothing harder than buying a Tesla right now. Yeah, well, Dwayne, what I want to know is when they do the software update, do, do things disappear out of the car? That would, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. A Microsoft I, I, joke. Sorry. I will tell you something about <laughs> it that it will freak you out, though, Jim. So there have been times when I've had the car and the software crashes while you're driving down the road. Yikes. And what happens is the whole dash goes completely out, and there's a secret combo on a Tesla that everyone who ever owns one knows about this thing. And that is if there's these steering wheel buttons, there's two like dials. If you push those in and hold them there for five seconds, it will reboot everything in the car. However, the car is still drivable. You're still driving it. Everything works fine. You just have no idea how fast you're going. (laughs) (laughs) You have no radio. Your air condition even reboots. Uh, and, and everything. And I've, I've had to do it a, a few times just because I was troubleshooting something, but, but yeah, no, it's, Yikes. it's crazy. Yikes. I'm just imagining on a Mac. It's like, Oh, I got the beach ball of death and you're driving. Well, it can't turn now. I get the yeah. I, my car's <laughs> loading. It's, well, it's yeah, that's it. Sorry. No, we just yeah. went down and, uh, it deleted the trunk. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I deleted the trunk. Yeah. We forgot it there. Uh, I know I'm waiting on that. Like, Oh, we forgot to, there's a bug. We forgot that, uh, we needed to make it where you could open the trunk. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the lock, the lock commands have been deleted. I tell you the little door thing will freak you out though. Cause you take the little charger over and you hit the button and the little power door opens on the tail light and you pop the thing in. Well, then you, well, one thing is, and I learned this the hard way. You cannot pull that thing out. If the car's not unlocked. And so 
I, I, we figured that out. And then you pull the thing out and you walk around and then you come back and the thing's closed. And you're like, did I close that? It like opens and closes automatically for you. So it's just, it, there's a lot of little yeah. weird things and about owning one. Cars of the future, maybe. Cars of the future. Well, we are running long, so we'll end it there. We will do some crypto conversation. You know, you got to remember a year ago, Dwayne, it was you who started the fire here in the Average Guy Network of all this crazy crypto stuff. It's a little more than a year ago, but it was pretty close. And uh, so we'll we'll catch up with Dwayne and his crypto stuff. We'll make that available over at the Patreon page. So go to theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon, and uh, you can catch the post show that we're doing here. Dwayne, thanks for coming on. Always, always entertaining. Always a treat. You'll hang around for the post show, but thanks for coming on. Thanks. Mike, thanks for jumping in tonight as well. I know you rushed to get here, but thanks for being in here as well. I appreciate Love it. Love being here every week. Yeah, good stuff. You'll stay around for some crypto as well. Uh, a couple quick reminders. I do this every week, right? One, don't forget with the AverageGuy.tv platform, web media. And media hosting powered by Maple Grove Partners get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting. Great, perfect for podcasters. Plans start at ten bucks a month. MapleGrovePartners.com. I think Christian and I are actually recording uh, Cyber Frontiers on Monday. So if you're hearing this, that would be Monday, the November. Insert the date here. I don't know what it is. It's coming up. It's the fourteenth. Is that is that Monday, the fourteenth? Something like that. Fourteenth, fifteenth of October. Fifteenth. Yep. Maybe of October. Come out and join us uh, live. Don't forget, you can download the app now. Of course, sponsored by pa- our Patreon subscribers. HomeGadgetGeeks.com, best way to listen on the road. And then if you, every week, I get somebody that pings me by HelloFresh. You want to jump in there and get that done. Again, life changing at the Collison house on the way we cook dinner. It's just been absolutely amazing. Uh, ping me and I'll send you a code. I'll email you a code so you can get most of the first week for free. We're live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv live. If you're listening live, don't drop. Stay around for some post-crypto. It's going to be interesting. With that, we'll say goodnight, everybody.